Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, and owner and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life, as well as business, takes a lot more than that and requires something more from within. Here with me today is Dr. Holly Van Hofwagen. Holly leads a skilled crew of dental hygienists, office staff, and assistants at Van Hofwagen Dental. She started her career at University of Iowa College of Dentistry after studying and playing volleyball, being a big star at the University of Northern Iowa. Holly has served in the Air Force, beat cancer, and is a member of several prestigious organizations. She is truly passionate about serving through missionary work in areas such as Honduras, Bolivia, and Haiti, and arguably most important, she's the mother of a beautiful little girl from Ethiopia. Holly, thank you for joining us today, and we're here to discuss your art of seeing clearly. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's quite an honor to be friends and um, colleagues in the same town as um, Allison, and we've just grown so much um, together, talking about lots of different business things, personal things. Um, it, yeah, it's just been a real honor, and it's just so fun to be with you today. So thank you for spending yeah. some some very precious time with us. I feel that one of our most precious commodities is time, mm -hmm. and when we're able to give that to another, um, that really means means a lot. So I want to talk a little bit with you about um, some of your journeys. One of those has been um, battling cancer. You've had a journey of being an adopt adoptive mother and a journey of owning your own successful dentist practice. So how do you maintain such resilience and fire for your life? You know, interestingly enough, those three things all kind of culminated at one time in my life, um, July of 2015, I bought the practice from um, my business partner who was retiring. 
Um, two weeks later, I was diagnosed with cancer and I was in the middle of the adoption um, of no man. So that was really, really hard. And I had nobody but, um, you know, my faith in the Lord. And I really relied on him during that time. And then I just have so many friends that um, and family members that came around me and supported me during that time. And I think that in any kind of journey that you have through life, like it's about friends and love and um, about the people that surround you and obviously that the Lord gives you strength to be able to make it through those difficult situations. How did you feel that those situations changed you? How did you grow from there? Gosh, um, well, originally I was very inconvenienced by all of that. (laughs) (laughs) And I prayed to the Lord like, oh, this is not a convenient time. And I think that um, growth. I would say, you know, there's a saying that the Lord only gives you what you can handle. And I do not believe that that's true. I believe that the Lord allows things to happen in your life. And then he gives you the strength to be able to navigate through those things. Um, and so when all of that was piled on top of me, or what I felt was piled on top of me, just the growth that I could have by learning to trust and knowing that everything is going to be okay because it's not my strength that's getting me through. Mm-hmm. Very, very wise. There's so much more that we could talk about with those specific instances. And um, I hope to dig into some of that a little bit more as we um, journey on today with our podcast. Um so thank you so much, so much to talk about. Um, and you really have been a a pillar for, what do I want to, I want to say for others when they know your story, you've got such strength and empowerment and be able to help then help others through similar journeys. You've dedicated a lot of your time also to mission services, mm-hmm. places like Bolivia, Honduras, Haiti, um, have a love for Africa and Ethiopia in particular. Mm-hmm. When was a moment or the moment you found strength to take on such a role with service? How did that become such a big part of your life? Um, gosh, well, so originally when I was in the military, we went to Bolivia and did um, humanitarian mission, which I think it's unfortunate that more of the military services like that don't get publicized because there's so many great things like that that the military does. So I was able to travel to Bolivia with them for, uh, I think we were there two or three weeks and just serving the people there. And when you are in um, a community or a situation and you see the people's eyes and how much they're hurting and you see the, I mean, just the pain and the sometimes loneliness that they have and the um, need to be able to, the, the need that they have in reaching out in that way. And so it's not always just dentistry. Um, obviously, that's the way that I can reach people, but more that they just need people loving on them and touching their lives. Um, and so I think that probably um, had a lot to do with it is just seeing that and then traveling with the Luke Society and doing other dental missions. Um, it's just, it's fun to be able to give back. And I think once you get start giving part of your heart, then it's so rewarding and you just want to give more. How have those missions and your call to service um, been implemented or change anything that you do in your own business? Well, I'm going to say 
I'll answer that in a minute, but I can say, how did it change my life the most? Um, when I was in Haiti and I was in an orphanage and I was doing some dental care and just t- trying to teach the children how to brush their teeth. And I was sitting um, on a chair and holding this little girl and she, they didn't have money for diapers. And so this little girl, she peed on me. And I was like, oh, oh, this is <laughs> this is a lot. But it just made me, it changed my heart at that moment. And in fact, on the way home, when I was telling my dad about it, because my dad and I were there together, he said, you're going to adopt, aren't you? Just because that changed my heart for for them. And I think it also teaches you to just love people where they're at. Um, so that changed a lot with the, with my changes with my practice. And um, they just love on people. And everyone comes from a different part of life. Um, how should I say this? A different, um, everyone has a different story. And so I think that you get to experience somebody's story when it's raw and it's real and you go into their space rather than patients coming to you and walking into your space. And they don't really necessarily bring their story forward right away, but you just have to recognize that everybody has a story. And so I try to get that story from patients and um, just because I want to help them where they are at. There's a vulnerability, I think, in you, you people coming you know, to you at your own office versus they're coming to you with a humanitarian service organization. Right. They have to be very vulnerable to be able to, I feel, come in that situation where they know they're receiving service and care in a different fashion than, hey, I'm going to an office where I am right. paying to have this service. There's there's definitely some some vulnerability there. How do you feel that the service that you have done transforms then into how you kind of what to say one of the values you might have within your own practice? How does that service come into your practice? currently um so there are some patients that um are in a very sticky financial situation and so i sometimes pick and choose patients that i treat um at a very discounted price and that's um i mean that's very special to them and they really appreciate that um and then there's a there's an organization or there's a a program through the um, Delta Dental, it's called DDS, Donated Dental Services. And so we take patients from that as well to try to help um, people in in tight situations. Um, So I think that those are like mostly the the biggest things. Um, And then just doing some outreach as far as like talking to kids at schools and teaching. Mm educating mm-hmm. definitely that is a that is a service in and of itself and you said that you were just doing a, a talk with some dental students and doing some education on business ownership mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about yeah, that so um i was asked by so we actually have a practice coach and one thing that i have done um in so i played volleyball as a team sport and so i think that it's important even as ownership to have a full team surrounding you. And so we have a practice coach and she um, asked me to come and speak to the um, fourth year students at the University of Oklahoma College of Dentistry, just talking about transitioning from dental school into potentially being an associate or practice ownership or any of those things. And like how, what goes into it, how to do it and 
just some advice about the, that transition. Um, so it was really fun. And a lot of it they wanted to know, I mean, they want to know your story, just like I was talking about with patients that come in and they have a story and they have something that they're bringing in with them. And so they wanted to know also my story and how all of that worked together to be able to be in the spot where I'm in now. Do you feel, we've got a family history of dentistry, Mm -hmm. so you've got a kind of a built-in resource that way. Who might have been a champion for you other than a family member who was helping you kind of navigate or a mentor that you might have had navigating you through the dental school, talking about being in the military and then coming back and deciding to own your practice? Was there anybody who helped you? So you said outside the family. So I'm gonna have to say no. <laughs> no, and it might it might not have been it's my dad. Because, because what a what a blessing though to be mm-hmm. able to have such a support because so many entrepreneurs don't have that background or that, you know, personal of a resource that you can be open and raw with mm-hmm. and they can be very transparent that way for you. So um people looking to have a coach or a mentor, what might be some type of advice that you'd give to students who might not have that type of person like you did? Yeah. Um, I think it's, I, I think that every time a professional or somebody is put in front of them, they should, they should really take use of that. Um, but I also offered my phone number to any of them. Like if they wanted to call me or email me or do any, you know, ask any questions at all, then I would be more than happy to help them. And my associate now, Dr. Uh, Gracie Deary, she reached out to me when she was a third year dental student, um, just as like a woman in business and wanted to know, had questions and how do you transition and what does this look like and how do do you do it? And so um, even though at that time I had no intention of hiring her, not because of who she is, because I think she's lovely. I just thought I need somebody sooner then she was going to be able to practice. And so even just calling somebody in the community that you're looking at going to and asking for help and advice. And I don't, I think most people would be willing to help a student. I think you're right. And I think most people would be helping, willing to help a student, um, another entrepreneur who's seeking answers and, Mm -hmm. and clarity and, trying to find their path. Mm-hmm. And you and I have very distinct businesses. There's there's a little bit of overlap, but very different industries. Mm-hmm. And yet I feel that having another female business owner at the time, I mean, you're still solo, but you have a you have a mm-hmm. uh, an associate um being able to have that to bounce things off has been so helpful. Mm-hmm. And you're definitely ahead of of me as far as years in practice on your own. So you do have a little bit more experience in that way. But I think having that mentor within uh, the community or somebody else, you know, around Mm -hmm. the nation is extremely valuable for whether you're a student or, hey, I'm looking at forging a new path. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really invaluable. And, And then you can form friendships through that too, right? I mean, it's just a really fun adventure. Yes. When you you kind of alluded it to you kind of alluded to it, but when did your vision for becoming a mother take root, and how did you pursue that? So, I I think that I've always wanted to be a mom. Um, I babysat a lot in high school, and I mean I, I've always been drawn to to kids. Um, 
And like I said before, when I was at the orphanage yes. and this little girl and she, she peed on me and she was just the cutest little thing. She's <laughs> just so adorable. Um, and so I just felt like they, I'm not married. So, but even though I'm not married, like they, I can give better than this. There's a dirt floor and dog poop and not clean water. And I mean, their stomachs were all sticking so far out because they all had parasites. And I just thought, man, I can, I can provide something more for, for these, for a child. And Haiti is almost impossible um, country from which to adopt. So um, interestingly, when I got back to Sioux Falls and I had a patient say, there's this little girl in Ghana that needs to be adopted. I don't know. You look like you might want to adopt someday. And I just sat there like, hmm. (laughs) Okay. So I met her for coffee. Asked the Lord to connect me with this picture if it was meant to be. And I didn't feel any connection. And then I just thought it was really cold hearted. It turns out that Ghana closed right after, so he just protected my heart. And so she said, well, if you're not feeling anything with this, then there's this adoption agency that I've been working with. And so she connected me with the um, the director of that adoption agency. And so Carol and I made a good relationship, and um, I just applied for the Ethiopia program. I am in awe of you that you had this in your heart. And being a single mother, you have not only made an amazing stride with your daughter, um, and you've done it all while maintaining your, you know, your professionalism with your own office. And um, so there's just such a high respect uh, for you for what you have done and and continue to do. Um, um, for your daughter, Nomi, and for our community. What are some of the things that have, talking about community and growth and leadership, how do you continue to grow and develop as a leader yourself? There's, you've had so many executive roles. You're very driven, accomplishing tasks at hand. But how do you set yourself up for tools to grow and develop? So I think it goes back to, um, even as the owner, and you know this too, um, because we were just talking about how you and I have connected um, over like business kind of decisions. And you know, you have a team, you have people, you surround yourself with people that encourage you in those areas. And you surround yourself with positive people and people that love big. And um, and you kind of make yourself a team, like you have a financial advisor and you have a, a coach, like a practice coach, and you have all these other things. And then, and then you get recommended a book and you learn something from there. And you just, you just take all of these pieces from so many different, um, areas of uh, like other people have all of these expertises and you take little pieces from all of that. And then I think that's how we grow because you develop all of that stuff. And then that makes you, you, and you can, um, move forward with, with all of those little pieces, but just having encouraging people surrounding you is, is, is just really great. I mean, obviously we just can't do this on our own. Just like parenting, it takes a village. It, it does. So if I were to summarize that, you know, yes, you could use those words too. You need a village. You need a village professionally. Mm-hmm. You need a village personally mm-hmm. in order to be able to do this. And the other theme I think I would bring from that is you don't have to be alone doing this. You don't have to do all this all on your own. And in fact, you can't and you shouldn't. You shouldn't. It's too much. Mm -hmm. Use uh, wise people for their knowledge in other ways and allow you to do what you do Mm -hmm. best. 
after spending much of your life involved um, in things like yes, college sports, uh, the Air Force, uh, running your own successful practice, what do you feel are some of the key components for functioning successfully as a team? Those you, you alluded to that earlier too. I was in many team. You know, we've got the, mm-hmm. the team volleyball. I'm on a team with the Air Force. You're at a team at the office. How do you function successfully on a team? I think that even as the owner, boss, whatever you want to call it, I think it's important to remember that you're just part of the team and that, yes, you have different responsibilities, more responsibilities, but each one of your team members also has different responsibilities. And to be the biggest cheerleader for them to be successful and then and and lead in that way but just to always remember that you are part of the team and you're not up here it's always that you're just another team member and yes it's important that you choose which way this team is going to navigate through all of the different um, areas of of what you run into in business but you're still just part of the team what are some of the things that you or your office may do to help grow that team or nurture that team? Hmm. We try to do some things outside of the office because it's not always that you develop um, relationships and good working environment always inside the office. So we try to do different things outside of the office, whether it be going to continuing education trips together. And we've gone to New York and Las Vegas and Florida, Chicago. I mean, so we go a lot of places that make them feel honored, I think, and special, um, and that they can learn and that we can grow together. Um, and then just do little outings around town as well, um, just to just to connect in a different way rather than just at work. Any advice you would give to other small business owners, entrepreneurs in um, tools that you've used within your team other than travel or any other type of um I think treating your your employees well and honoring them well getting to know them personally is really important like we've done a lot of um personality testing and go through all that like what does this mean what does this say about somebody when they're having a bad day how are they going to respond or what my personality is it's not always so lovely and so they know I'm not the greatest mood or if something is something is stressful to me then this is probably how I'm going to respond and they all know that now and so they're able to take away from that like it's nothing personal it's It's just how we interact and just to really get to know people well mm-hmm. and that transfers not only from the office team but i think a lot of those learning tools transfer over into our personal lives yes. as well as trying to know what when somebody responds this way why they're naturally inclined to do that mm-hmm. how we can then communicate better yes with them and think differently ourselves Mm -hmm. um, in relation to them Mm -hmm. how do you ensure your organization continues to align with your value and mission there's always when we start a business talking about aligning values um, what is the mission what's the why behind things how do you try to ensure that your team continually stays aligned to vision and mission 
So each day we start our day all together with a morning huddle. We call it the huddle. And um, we discuss a lot of things, how patients how different patients and maybe part of their story is coming in and so how we can um, best treat each of our patients that come in um, and how we can best help each other out throughout the day. Um, you know, not everybody has an on day. Sometimes people have off days and so it's important that we also encourage them um, on those off days when maybe their personalities are not coming out the best that they can. Um, and so, but I think the team morning huddle like brings everyone together and we can really have conversation about how the day is going to run and then things that people are concerned about and that everybody's concerns are valuable and that they can have the freedom to be able to bring those up during that morning meeting. Is this morning meeting, does it take 30 minutes? Is it 10 minutes? 15. 15, 15 minutes. minutes. Mm -hmm. So you're able to establish um, I think as I'm hearing you speak, establish a um, positive stance for the day, mm -hmm. looking for any roadblocks, looking for certain areas where you can make not only your team but your patients shine, mm -hmm. and then allowing uh, for feedback all in just 15 minutes. 15 so minutes. it's not like it has to take a long time. No. Do you guys have other set meetings throughout the week that you find valuable? No. No, mm -hmm. we don't really. Okay. Yeah. Hi. So I love that, that just kind of beginning the day, mm -hmm. starting off and everybody going in the, the right direction and resetting from whatever hassle they were coming in from mm -hmm. or their car didn't start or it was snowing or whatever it, right. it might have been. Our podcast is entailed The Art of Seeing Clearly. And we've been talking a little bit about um, some of the business tools and tactics that you have. But I, I like to end with... What are some of your own personal techniques for seeing yourself better and seeing the world better? Gosh, I think just pouring yourself into other people and to be the type of woman that when you walk into a room, then you focus on other people like you're the type of woman that says, oh my gosh, there you are rather than, oh, here I am, look at me. And I think that when you can have a mind shift and then it's about it's not about me it's about everybody else and to honor them well I think that's when you start to see so much change Holly thank you very much it's been a pleasure to have you on our podcast today and I am very grateful to you for your um, wisdom uh, calm nature um, empowerment and that that peace and that light that shines within you and lives each step of your day um, with whether it's your practice, whether it's your home, your personal life. So thank you for being a, a, a beacon in our world. And um, thank you for sharing some of your art of seeing clearly with us. You're so sweet. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>